episode of the Off the Pine podcast. It is me joined by my co-host Trig, and we are coming to you right before the uh, second half of the season gets kicked off. All-Star weekend is over, and uh, we just wanted to come and give you kind of a glance into the rest of the season and kind of talk about All-Star weekend a little bit. Trig, how are we doing over there? Oh, we're doing pretty well. <clears throat> um you know, I guess we got we had National Guard coming, Minnesota here. Big snowstorm coming. Um, but you know, the Timberwolves got till Thursday or Friday. Yeah, we'll we'll play on Friday, so the snow shouldn't she should be I smooth. It, yeah, should be fine by the time they're back. back uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun little All Star weekend. We'll definitely uh might as well just dive right into it. Yeah, first quarter of our uh, of our podcast tonight is dedicated to all-star weekend so i guess uh the first the first night was interesting you know it's the it's the young guys going against each other it's this it's the which was they had four different teams kind of interesting it was cool watching the young guys go out i think quentin grimes played really well and uh jose alvarado yeah. ended up winning the MVP. alvarado is hitting like fadeaway threes he was like <laughs> alvarado wanted to win it was so it was funny to see him actually like he was going for. It. I mean, I think the young guys kind of go for it. They have fun with it. Um, so still, cool. I, I like the setup. I like the new setup of it with the four different teams and like the different like little mini games. I've liked it so far. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fun little some some. Yeah, I mean, there's there's you know retired players as the coaches. You know, there's there's more games. You know, there's they play to like. They played like 30 or they played a 40 the first two games and the winners of each of those go against each other in a game to 25 or something. Um, yeah. It was funny with Jose though, because he was mic'd up. So he's like, yeah. he's mic'd up and he's getting buckets. Like Tom Donovan, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit this three for the win. <laughs> Come on. That is, that is, that is, uh, that is just fun to see you. Normally the guys that are mic'd up aren't the ones hitting game. Yeah. Kind of wish I saw a little bit more of Scoot, but wish yeah. I had some good Scoot highlights out of it. But I mean, it's not it's not really his weekend though. At the end at the end of the day, so you wanted more Scoot, and I wanted more Luca Garza, and that's just you and me, you know. That's or Kenny, Kenny Lofton. <laughs> yeah, he's the a baller. Diesel, the diesel of a wing. Oof. Well, um, I guess we can move into Saturday night. So, uh, you know, we'll start with the. More, more, most fun thing to talk about. The dunk contest had the most, most viewers in dunk contest history, live history this this year. Um, was it history or like the first time in like a certain amount of years? No, the NBA posted something that this uh this All Star yeah, weekend was saw that with the most viewed on all you know platforms and social media and in the high school dunk phenom Mac McClung he uh. You know, he lived up to the hype, I would for sure say so. I think, um, I mean, between, like, out of all the recent dunk contests I've seen, I mean, people definitely call it all-time dunk performance. I agree. I mean, like, three out of the four dunks were ones we'd never seen before. Um, I mean, the 540, a couple, like, Dominique did it. Like, Oladipo did it, but it wasn't nearly as clean as McClung's. Like, McClung, like, windmilled 540 damn near. Um like every dunk was pretty like pretty weird like his light his light dunk quote unquote was a, like windmill 360 that just looked effortless made them all in the first try 
Um, and I feel like he had so much more in his bag. Yeah, this is this is kind of what I was telling you after the dunk contest when he was asked, oh, uh, you know, Mac, would you do it next year? And he was like, hey, if you guys will have me, I'd love to be back. Super cool answer, by the way. Very humble. I like it. Really cool. Um, yeah. But I think the whole point is, is I think he wanted to go out there and show what he has, but I don't think he wanted to give it all away. I think he no. wanted to keep some in the arsenal so he could come back next year and hopefully give an an A-lister who I don't know who it is. Zion has been flirting with the idea of coming to the dunk contest. Everyone wants Jaw to do it. Um, I think he's going to keep something in the tank. So maybe one of these A-list NBA guys who might come into the dunk contest, he could go against some a real big dude and and give him give him some give him some work. And uh, I thought he had a great dunk contest. Like you were saying, all of his dunks were just effortless. He he uh, he took the the Shaq approach of just make just make it your first try, and it was fun to watch. Yes. The rest of the other guys really were boring, but I'm glad he uh, he he made this year fun to watch. I mean, Trey Murphy was I, I thought there was like it was it was okay. I wasn't like blown away by anyone else by any means. I mean, McClung like blew me away with every dunk. I was like, holy shit! Like the jumps over dude, like reverse like windmill like reverse uh reverse hezzy i was like holy shit goes jumps over someone else off the backboard reverse like the 540 windmill um dude even like even his worst dunk was like still like i was like damn damn and you know as your little brother's like dick rider you fucking you don't even play in the nba i'm like shut up elliot <laughs> well this is something that elliot said but also I feel like it's kind of some rhetoric that I've seen on Twitter is that, oh, you know, people just like this because, like, he's short. He's six feet or he's six two. So, like, it just looks cooler because he's short. And it's like, and, and it's like, well, yeah, Nate Robinson won a dunk contest and he's yeah, 5'10". Why, why do you think he won? That. It's not because his dunks were amazing. It's because it's a really cool thing to do shorter players do really cool shit on a basketball court. Like I, I don't. I think that's such a weird like. That's oh, it's so we're gonna knock Mac McClung because he's not six yeah. seven. Like what? Yeah, I mean, I really would love to see Shaden Sharp in that contest because Jericho Sims, his replacement was that was like that his was last awkward. dunk was so awkward because he literally did the exact same dunk pretty much he did before, and. He like pulled himself up with his left hand on the net and then pulled out he, the 50, he, he, 50 card and like all the NBA players are sitting there like uh, uh crickets, crickets. Yeah, uh, crickets. well after they gave him like a 49. They gave him like a 49. I was like, dude, some of these judges are just too soft, man. Like a lot of those dunks to me were honestly like if we we're going back to like NBA Live 2009, 2000 like uh like six or seven, where you do the dunk contest. Like those judges were fucking harsh, man. They would not be giving out those scores. No, I think I think it's right. I mean, Jericho Sims, like two nights later, tweeted on a beach somewhere, like, "Oh, I'm I'm chilling. I don't care." It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, dude, you're a millionaire. We know you don't care. We're just saying it was soft. That's 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 it. Um, yeah, you couldn't have at least like maybe done like something just the tiniest bit more creative. Um. Well, I think. 
I'd like to say one thing about the three-point contest. Um, fun year, really difficult thing to bet on. We were we sucked on that. No, I told you we shouldn't do that. And I'll never do it again. I know, probably a mistake. Uh, fun thing to watch. It was great to see Dame win it. Very deserving. Shocked yeah. that's his first time ever winning the three-point shootout. Uh, so that was cool seeing it. Kevin Herter was a real... Oh, my God. That was embarrassing. Yeah, I I just the three, the forty percent three point shooter, and Julius Randle had a better had a better score than him. Yeah, so I don't I mean like and we can talk about the selection process of taking Julius Randle, but you know he wasn't like a first pick, so I'm not gonna get too up in arms about I it. I mean, he probably just volunteered for it. And they're like, sure, why not? Like, yeah. So I guess uh, the last thing I do want to say about All-Star Weekend is the All-Star Game was... Wow, we're not going to talk about the skill challenge? I didn't even watch that. Like, like I didn't... All I saw, I just, I remember, like, um, I remember, like, seeing, like, a flashback like on Twitter to, like, I can't remember what year it was, but it was, like, CP3, Kobe, D-Wade, LeBron, all in the skills challenge. I miss how they used to do it that way. How they just like do the single, um, like just the one run with all the different individuals. Like I just hate this like team. team. Shit. Well, even the year that Cat won it, it was like it was the first year when they did bids versus guards. Yeah. And oh, you watching... know what? You know what the other one I used to like was that they would do before the skills challenge when each team would have like a WNBA person, an NBA person, or a retired player, and they'd like do the little like around the world shit. I like I thought that was funny too. That was fun. They I don't like this whole now the last two seasons they've done the Atente Kumpo brothers. They do the home team. They were horrible. (laughs) I think the home team has been I think the home team is like two for two. Yeah, it's just like, well, yeah, they're actual NBA players. Like, why are the Atente Kupo brothers getting playing time right now? Why, like, I don't see why the, like, it's just strange. I think, I think they'll rework it. I, you know, obviously we could all give our opinions on things they could do better with it, but I, I, I do agree. The best is when it was single players going against each other. It was more fun to watch. And it was a better product on the on the court. I mean, who knows? I think there's a lot of revamping. I mean, I think I hope to God, like I think Shaq, Shaq said it, quote unquote, Mac McClung saved dunk contest, which like I really hope is true. Like I hope he like sparked a fire and like some people's asses were like that looks like I want to go out and beat this kid next year. Like yeah, like I mean, and people like all the players had fun with it, so maybe it, like inspires so, like some people like go out and do it. Because, like, I mean, it used to be, like, a star. I mean, all of our All-Star Weekend, it was, like, the best three-point shooters. It was actually the best dunkers. Like, the skill challenge guys made sense. I remember when Derek did it his freshman year, and Derek won the skill challenge his freshman year, or freshman it was, year, rookie it was year. Like, it was always, like, it may not have been, like, the best point guards, but it was always, like, the best young point guards. And like, that's what we want to see. We want to see the lead guards doing the skills challenge. We don't – I don't care what Thanasis Atentacumpo is doing this weekend. Like – uh, I do want to say the All Star Game itself was yeah thoughts. There's a lot of hate on the All Star Game on Twitter. I didn't like absolutely hate it. I didn't hate it. About, I wasn't crazy about it, but like okay, like there was like Mike Malone saying it was the worst basketball he's ever seen. Um, Jalen Brown said something similar. Yeah. I think what we really missed. I think we really missed Steph Curry this year. 
I think we missed Zion. LeBron went out with an injury. Giannis couldn't play the whole game because he had that wrist injury. Um, so I think injuries were like a part of it, a big part of it. But at the same time, it just wasn't competitive. And there were many possessions where guys weren't playing any defense. It was like people were getting like easy layups. And it was like was kind it? of like, okay. Like, I I know. And then like it's – I've been, I've watched the all-star game itself like probably every year for I can't tell you how many yeah. Like, consecutively. Yeah, I've always and I'm not one. saying it's the epitome of basketball, but it used to be defense. They wanted to stop each other, especially like the year Kobe died. You know how hard they went in the all-star game? Yeah. They they every single player wanted that MVP and they were playing defense, they were playing offense. And last year it wasn't like bad. But I don't but know. Like, I would say in the fourth quarter, like, like they were playing defense. Like, they were playing defense in the fourth quarter. Ah, dude, but like not, not. I don't know. I I was just slightly not. It, it was, wasn't as bad. It was better than this year. But like I remember last year, that game was close in the end, and like guys were going for it. Yeah. Uh, and Steph was hitting like I mean there was like a streak where Tatum and Lillard and Donovan were just hitting three shot after shot after shot. And it was funny and like that was cool to see just Dame and Tatum just going three after three after three. And Kyrie had some nice plays and um, Jalen Brown and Tatum when they had the like, little one on one sequence was kind of funny um, when they were going at each other. I loved it. Um, that was good. But like I remember I watched the Kobe interview the other like the other this week and he was like talking about like. He's like, yeah, I think the All-Star game needs some revamping. He's like, at the end of the day, like, he's like, these fans come to watch the best pickup game in the world, the best players in the world. This is supposed to be the best pickup game in the world. And he's like, I remember when, I don't know if you remember all the All-Star games I've been in. He's like, I didn't really lose many. He's like, I don't think I, he's like, I didn't lose many of those. And he's like, I remember like, he's like, when me and Chris Paul were on the same team, me and CP used to turn it up. And he's like, in the fourth quarter, we'd be like, yeah, let's, let's go get these guys. And me and Chris Paul would, like, go hard. Yeah, I mean, the, I just remember, I remember growing up and it was, like, all-star game. The West was Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, Dirk, KG, Tim Duncan as a starting lineup. Like, pff, bro, like, I don't care that the – like, oh, it used the product used to be so good on the court, and the players tried so much. And uh, it would just be really nice to see a return to that this coming uh, year in Indianapolis. But, yeah, um, I think I don't know if it's just like if there's anything the NBA can actually do, yeah, money, or if it's, it's just like mo- I mean, money. Yeah, I mean, but those guys are already making so much money in their contract, and people on contract years, people are thinking about playoff pushes. I mean, maybe it's just like like what Ant kind of said, like how he's like how he doesn't like the dude sitting, and I mean it only take like maybe they can only afford to go to one game, and he doesn't want to miss that one game the fan can't go to. Um, maybe they just don't care about us, man. Yeah, maybe they, maybe these guys have gotten too selfish. Maybe they're just they just all they care about is the bag. I mean, I know there's like guys that were kind of like, they were definitely going for it. I mean, I don't know. I like, I'm not trying to like come off as like a selfish fan, but like, I mean, it's just like, well, then what are we like? 
what are we i thought i don't know the all-star like being an all-star used to be like a big deal um i mean it's just kind of sad to be honest um because like at the end of the day yeah we do want to go watch the best pickup game in the world and like i mean and if i'm in a game with like like if i'm i mean kobe i mean it's just like kobe's not around anymore i don't know there isn't really a guy out there that's like Kobe would like be out there and like some of the other guys would like be pushing like would be pushing these dudes like yo like let's pick this shit up I want to win this shit like um I wonder I kind of like here's an interesting here's a nugget here's a nugget for you um I, I don't know if the MLB still does this but I remember that this would require going back to east and west Yep, I've heard this one. I've heard this one. This is what the NBA used to do up until, like, up until, I think... The the winner of the All-Star game gets home court advantage in the finals. Yeah, that's what it used to be. I'm, like, I, like, that's exactly what it used to be. I didn't think they ever did that. I thought that was just baseball. No, I swear they did it in the, I swear they did it in the NBA. I don't think they did. I think that was just a baseball thing. Well, to anyone... To all of our to all of our listeners, if you have any opinion on this question, please reach out to one of us. Because I am not. I swear they used to do. I remember growing up. I swear they used to do this because I never understood how they would pick who would who would have the home court advantage in the finals. And I swear well, was, they always just go by who was the higher seed or who had the better record. Or maybe it was the tiebreaker that would be the all star. I don't know. I feel like it had. I feel like it had something to do with it. I could be wrong. I feel like there's a way that they can make this turn this game in this like having some leverage. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, I don't hate the whole captains thing. Oh, it's fun. Um, Especially it's this fun. year, dra- live drafting. That's a good, that's fun to watch. But if we have to go back to an East and West scenario to make it more competitive then like I'm for it. Cause that's when it was competitive when it was actually East versus West. Yeah. And you know, like the winner gets home court in the finals. Like that's something to play for. Not wrong at all, man. I think it's a great idea. Um, that's just, I don't know. I think it's something the NBA with all these guys speaking up about it. And like the fans being disappointed, I'm sure like Adam Silver is a pretty progressive guy. Maybe he'll look into giving it some revamp um, this off season. If we're being so, real, Adam Silver is caring more about this in-season basketball tournament that could be happening than I think he's going to be looking at the Yeah. Elsewhere. Which I think is yeah. a boof idea. I don't like it. I'm not crazy about it. I'd have to, like, get all the logistics about it. I'm not cra- – it's not like soccer <laughs> or it's not like college basketball where it's, like, conference tournament. No, it's um, it's soft. Well, I think we should – I think we should jump into our second quarter topic. Um. I think we should get into get out to three buyout teams. These three guys um, recently signed a player that was bought out from another team. And all three of these players have pretty big potential to become a starter on their new teams. So for a team to go three quarters of the season and then pick up a new guy with 20 games left in the year to have him be a starter. I think it's a pretty big deal. So I think I want to start with the first team being the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Patrick Beverly is going back to his hometown of Chicago. Trid, obviously you have your ties as well. 
Um, let's just start with you. What do you think about Patrick Beverly coming home? Uh, I mean, it's just it's a move to make it move. Um, I think we have a billion guards on that team, so it's interesting. Um, gives them a little bit more three point shooting. Um, because they've been really horrible at that this year. And I mean, I'm shocked you want to go to a team that was on a six game losing streak and not go to the Warriors who could go win a championship. Um, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to go light up a fire and Zach light a fire in Zach's ass and try to make a playoff push with them to like prove something. Maybe he thought he'd be more valuable to that team. He's kind of trying to show his value that way. Um, I don't know if he's going to start. They might still rock with IO at point. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to him starting just because defensively it makes more sense. And I think he's a little bit, probably a little bit better of a shooter than IO is from deep. Um, and just like the experience and leadership on the floor is, is going to be big. Um, I mean, we still, we would have IO Kobe white, Goran and Caruso coming off the bench. So we'd have four small guards coming off the bench should be really interesting i don't know how they're going to do that how they're going to allocate those minutes to everyone um i i mean i don't i think alex crusoe is definitely flexible positionally in terms of what he plays off the bench yeah yeah for sure i mean he could essentially go guard a three if you really if you want him to hell if if teams are playing small ball he can he can guard a four like yeah yeah, exactly. The um, best defender on the court at any time. Like, I I do think after watching the Pat Bev experiment in Minneapolis, I do think he should start for the Bulls. The man, yeah. the thing that the Bulls have had the biggest problem with is is energy and heart, and that is the first two things on Patrick Beverly's list of you know pedigree. What he brings to the te- what he brings to a team, and and he just he said something about it today or yesterday. He's gonna light a fire under Zach Levine. Like that's yeah. exactly what this team needs. Their best players to have more. And Pat Bev gives this team a chance to build up those young guys, mainly just Zach. And I think I think it could be fun. The Bulls are we'll talk about this later once we get into each conference, but the Bulls have a have a good chance of of Making the, definitely making the play in tournament, but they could squeeze in. They could squeeze. It'd be difficult, but like if there's a guy that could put them over the line, it's Patrick Beverly. They're two games back of the 10 seed after going on a horrendous six game losing streak at the worst time they possibly could have. But I mean, there's only like between eight and 10, it's only three and a half games. There's a lot of season left. Anything in reality, anything can happen. Um, we'll definitely get more into it. I mean, they have the Wizards, Pistons, Pacers, Rockets in their next four games. So, I mean, they could definitely turn it around. They have a pretty easy schedule going forward. Um, All right. I, I completely misspoke. There's no chance of them making the playoffs, only the playing game. I don't know why I, I thought no, they No, they won't be a playoff team. They're, they're a playing team. I don't know why I thought their, uh, their game's back was different, but they are seven or six and a half games out of Oh, I was I was reading that wrong. So it's Wizards, Raptors, Pistons. So big games. First two are huge. Um, yeah, but we'll definitely get more. We'll definitely get more into it. 
Oh, yeah, Brooklyn Friday, too. Um, yeah, we'll definitely get more into it when we talk about, like, kind of teams we want to look out for in the second half of the season. So, um, but yeah, it, I mean, I thought at the end of the day, it's, I think this, we'll see what happens. Like, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's something. Um, I don't know if it's, it's not going to be. It's not going to be anything drastic, but we'll see. You know, Papev, you know, anything can happen. Hey, he's never never missed the playoffs in his career. Okay, so um, the Clippers just took uh, Russell Westbrook, and Trig and I, right when this move happened, we both were like, all right, well, you know, do you start Bones? Do you still start Terrence Mann? And seemingly right after we have this conversation, a new tweet comes out saying that they expect Russell Westbrook to start for this team and we're both like oh my god so i don't know if that's interesting to say the least interesting exactly and like it's not that i don't think russ is a i don't you know russ is getting a lot of hate around the league and his tenure in la was not pretty by any means but i don't think he's a bad player i just think we've learned from russ that he needs shooting around him and I don't know how much, you know, I mean, not that Kwai, Paul George, and Morris are bad three-point shooters, but they just don't really they aren't, they aren't shooters first. Yeah, they're not like, oh, catch and shoot off-ball shooters, like stand in the corner and let it run. So, like, I'm just a little confused by why you'd want to start him. I feel like he'd be a great bench point guard, run the bench unit. Throw I him mean, there. It, sounds, it sounds like Terrence Mann will start at the beginning um but russ it'll eventually be russ's job they kind of i don't i don't know like it's like it's gonna be interesting i don't have a whole i'm not gonna pull a skip bayless and be like russ is gonna ruin that team <laughs> um i wouldn't go that far but it will be interesting to say the least i mean he had a good he was ha- doing well off the bench for the most part but he just has these rough moments where it's like what are you doing what shot is that like you're doing way too much. Like, I just worry he might take the ball too much away from Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, he are he already is going to take the ball away from them, quote unquote, too much. Like, the, the, there shouldn't be the ball should be in their hand eighty percent of the game. Like, yeah, I mean, I like Terrence Mann starting still, but I mean, I guess they wanted someone that was more of like a could be a distributor. But Russ kind of turns the ball over a lot. Uh, well, it just like he's not really a good defender anymore. He's he's not. I mean, he's probably he's probably an okay defender. The thing that doesn't make sense is they, you know, they bring Terrence Mann into the starting lineup to have more minutes, and then they get Bones Highland, a guy that has been pushing for more minutes and more involvement in offense. Okay, great, cool, two great moves. Now what should we do once we have these two guys that should have the ball more? You go and get Russ, who, you know, even in his even in his most recent MVP season, he averaged five turnovers per game. Now it's like that's I mean, his best fair, year. To be fair, in that season, there was really no one else. Oladipo is his second option, so we kind of needed to have the ball all the time. I'll say is that that in his defense, he really needed to have his usage rate that year was like outrageous. Yeah. And he like he needed to pretty much do everything to keep that team competitive and in the playoffs. So I'll give him that nugget. But in general, Russ isn't super careful with the ball. 
But exactly. Maybe- and on the flip side of things, you know, I think the two, two, the two most important things, if you're going to say, you know, let's look on the bright side is who did Paul George, his best season in the NBA, who was it with? It was with Russ. Yeah. It was with Russ. And what, and if you listen to any all-star weekend nuggets, you know, they asked a couple players, Hey, outside of yourself, who's any guy in the lead you'd want to win. You want to watch win a ring. Yeah. Paul, Russ, George, yeah. Paul George said Russell Westbrook. So if you yeah, really- the relationship's good, so that's a good thing. That there won't be that weird Laker pressure of like, we gotta get rid of Russ. Like it won't be all that like just craziness. I mean, we've seen plenty of guys lead the Lakers when all that shit was going down, and we we've seen and they played a lot better. We've seen how that Laker noise kind of hinders um players. So I, I will give him that too. Like obviously right before he went to the Lakers, he had a, an amazing season with the Wizards. He did. Absolutely. Well, let's move into our third buyout team before we move into the second half. I would say, like, if you look at that bench, though, for the Clippers, like, Bones, Man, Eric Gordon, Plumley, I forget, like, Rocco, it's a good, it's a really good second unit. Solid. Solid second unit. Um, I wonder how many minutes Plumley are really, is really going to get off the pine this year. Like 15 a game. I know, just because like they don't play, they don't he play Zubats. Like, he played like fifteen a game those first couple of games where he got traded there. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how that. About what I, it's about what I expect him to get going forward. Like they're gonna use him because like they struggled with size. So they like, do. Gonna... They do. I just come playoff time. I just feel like those minutes will go down just because I know how much they dependent upon maybe matchup dependent because they are so talented at playing the five out, go small, put, put Keith at the, or put yeah. Marcus at the five. The other thing is Roko's just had a bad year. He's also had a bad year. So that plays into things. Um, yeah. But let's move into our third, our third buyout team uh, that I want to talk about is the Miami heat. They just picked up Mr. Kevin Love another UCL, UCLA product. I like to Russell, um, Kevin Love, longtime Timberwolves player, uh, went to Cleveland and won a chip. Who's return, whose Jersey will be retired by Cleveland. They just came out and said, um, yeah. hope the same thing happens in Minnesota, but I might probably not. not. <laughs> probably not. That's, you know, that's just what I think. Um, I also think Petrovich's Jersey should be retired, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a part of the organization yet. So, but this is really interesting. And I've heard some murmur about potentially him being their starting four. This is a team that lacks a lot of three-point shooting. Um, he'd definitely be a big help to their rebounding efforts. I'm excited to see this, this group. There looks to already be some chemistry, you know, Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love were seen, you know, jarring at each other in some Instagram comments today, poking fun at each other, having fun. Um, I think this is fun. Kevin Love just recently was not really a part of the rotation in Cleveland, and I'm glad to see him have a chance to get some minutes. This Heat team is going to be in the playoffs. Definitely uh, have had a less productive season than we all probably expected, but come yeah. come playoff after time. Almost, after almost winning sixth man of the year last year too. Yeah, which is wild. So, yeah, taking a guy that was second and sixth man of the year the season before, throw him on a Miami Heat team led by Butler and Adebayo. Yeah, let's go. Love love this love this combination. I actually met Kevin Love once in Miami, so I know he likes it down there. Um so I think this is a great 
Great match made in heaven. If you're a South Beach fan, you gotta be yeah. about this. Yeah, for sure. I like it. Um, I don't know if he's gonna start at least right away. Um, I mean, I think he's gonna get like a he's gonna be like a contributor though. I think he's gonna be a really solid contributor to the team. I mean, you can afford to start him because your defense is already good enough to like to like take that loss defensively. And like you said, you get a little bit more three point shooting, better more rebounding. Um, you get a guy that's like been through the ringer in the in terms of the playoffs and um he'll fit in more with like the vets on that team opposed to Cleveland was all young guys so I think he'll fit into the culture a lot better there um again it's kind of like with the Chicago move it's nothing that's gonna like really like raise raise him up by any means um but you know it's it's an interesting move that can give them a little boost. Um, you know, Miami come playoffs time, you you never know Jimmy Butler and those boys. Like you never can count them out. You never can count them out. So Exactly. You can't tell you cannot count out this team and you allow a ex NBA champion to join this roster. Looks I mean, on paper it's a great move. We'll have to see how much he's really able to contribute on the court. Uh, after having a pretty sour season off the pine for the Cavs so far. So it'll be interesting to see him join the Heat, but I'm excited to to watch some Miami games. I obviously grew up watching Kevin Love a lot, so this is cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun for sure. Be really, like, I I mean, all these moves are just, like, really interesting. That's, like, interesting is the best word to describe it. Like, I mean, I think they could all be good moves potentially, but – they could also just not pan out at all. <laughs> they're they're buyout moves, so yeah. you know it. It's these not are like, like bigger, these are like bigger name buyout moves than we've ever yeah. seen. Ever yeah. seen. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Patrick Beverly, like yeah, we're talking like one surefire Hall of Famer, another oh, oh another big splash. Um, RJ Hampton did get bought, did sign with the Pistons after being waived. Big move. Okay, huge needle mover for the Pistons. I think they yeah. could end up in thirteenth instead of. Think 14th. about if all the think about if all the young guys the Pistons have lived up their potential. James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley, and then they have Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham, who I think will play out. But then you have R.J. Hampton, um, Isaiah Stewart. What's the? Uh, it's in. What's that movie where they would run? You have you just you ha- you have a bunch of guys that they pan out to their full potential. They'd be just the best team on planet Earth. <laughs> what's, that, what's that Christmas movie where it's like, oh, we're the, the we're the we're the town of misfit toys. You know that you know that yeah. Christmas movie. That's that's basically yeah. the Detroit Pistons right now. Um, Killian Hayes, you can throw him in there. Well, yeah, I want to I want to move to the second half of tonight's show. Third quarter, we're gonna start with some Eastern Conference teams. I think this will be a longer episode. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, we're already one of our shorter, shorter ones. Well, we're already at a half hour right now, I believe. Oh wow, that's cool. Okay, yeah, yeah, we totally are. Um, each talked about each conference for fifteen minutes. Uh, So just looking at the East, um, the way I see it, there's not really much to top talk about in terms of those top three teams. I think that will we'll see who finishes first. It'll definitely be a race. 
um, all the way to the end. Um, but I think those top, the top four in the East are going to be pretty cemented. I think Cleveland will stay. Cleveland will stay behind Philly and Milwaukee oh. and Boston. All right, I mean, we never, you never know, you never know. But in terms, of, I mean, the Bucks have won twelve in a row, um, so they're red hot right now. But Giannis is going to miss some games right out of the All Star break, um, with his wrist. Um, you know, Boston might now be the favorite to win the championship after Tatum winning All Star Game MVP. We've yeah. seen the last two guys win the Finals MVP that last year, who won the All Star Game MVP in the previous three before that, won one the next year or that year. So you know, you got a little little nugget of the script. Um, Tatum for Finals MVP this year. Put your bets in now. We'll see if the script sticks. Um, but no, I mean, tops like in terms of like movement. I think the top four will stay the same. Uh, the top three will be interesting a little bit in movement. Um, maybe Cleveland can make a push. I don't know. Um, but, you know, they did end the year eight and two in their last ten. Um, so they're pretty hot as well. I mean, all those four teams were. 7-3 for Boston, 10-0 for Milwaukee, 7-3 for Philly, 8-2 for Cleveland. I mean, they're all they're all going smooth. Um, Brooklyn, I mean, we'll see what happens with the experiment going on there, but they're far enough along where they should be staying in the playoffs no matter what. So they'll be fun to watch come playoff time. We'll see how this, like, group of misfits and Mikhail Bridges kind of turns out. Uh, well, I wouldn't even say misfits. Just a bunch of grinders, honestly. Just a bunch no, of- do not even – don't you dare call the Brooklyn Nets myth, misfits. That team. No, yeah, no. I I like their team. I like their team. I this do. team has like when uh when it was when it, before when Dinwiddie's first time there with Jared Allen, D'Lo, Karis LeVert, yeah, same, Jared same Dudley. Vibe, vibe. Like that's the energy I'm getting from that group, and it's yeah for sure. So there are a couple things I want to say. So like my favorite, one of my favorite websites uh for NBA content is called Tankathon, and they have a remaining strength of schedule you know page where you can see every all 30 teams uh with how many games they have left who are their toughest opponents and who are their easiest opponents and it'll like rank which ones have the easiest and hardest schedules to finish out the season and so where we're looking right now is of the 11 hardest strength of schedules for the rest of the season so you of the 11 hardest ones so that top three or the you know the top third the league eight of them are in the east eight of them are in the east and eight of them are eight of the top 10 seeds in the east so most of the teams that have the hardest schedules the rest of the way are all going to be the playoff teams in the east the only two teams that aren't aren't there are well the main team that is not there is the cleveland cavaliers the cavaliers are the only team not like in the top eight of the East that are not listed in one of the hardest remaining schedules. So I know you said that you don't see the Cavs jumping uh, the Sixers, but I'm, I mean, I think Philly is just that good though. I I know they're that good, but just if you go by schedule wise and Philly and Cleveland have both performed very well against good teams this year. So I'm not saying just because Philly has a bunch of games versus good teams, they're not going to be able to, you know, withhold the punches, withstand the punches. But I do know that schedule is important, and Cleveland has a pretty easy schedule throughout the rest of the season. And only being two games behind Philly 
could definitely see them taking that third seed. And if I had to take a bet, I would say the Bucks will be the number one seed in the East. All things in Denver. Yeah. I know Giannis yeah. is injured, but Chris Middleton is just coming back, starting to look really good off the pine. And I think he'll be soon moved to the starting lineup within a week or two. And remember the Bucks were, if they had Middleton last year in the playoffs, is Boston even in the finals? Like, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's peak Middleton's out. If like middle playoff Middleton is on that team healthy, I don't think Boston goes to the finals. Exactly. Um, so I think that's Middleton, a very interesting tidbit. Middleton's still kind of working his way back into it. Um, I think he's still not like a hundred percent back yet in terms of like his rhythm, rhythm and everything. But I mean, he should be should be in gear come playoff time. So, um. Exactly, and you I still, did. I still like the Bucks. I still like the Bucks come out of the East. Or I'll, I'll stick with Philly. I took Philly. Actually, no, I'm not going to say that because I took Philly at the beginning of the year. So I feel like I have to ride with my pick. But if I were like forced to pick again, I would say I like Milwaukee. Yeah, dude. I don't know how you can move away from Milwaukee. They've won tw- twelve in a row right now. Um, so um, yeah, I, I think the most interesting teams to look out for in this second stretch in the East are the Raptors and the Bulls for obvious reasons. Um, like the Bulls just keep just, just like unimpressing and just being embarrassing and being pitiful. Um, then you kind of look at their off season, like they don't even make the play in the play in like, you look at, like I said, those first couple of games against Toronto and Washington. So those are obviously huge ones in terms of, um, standings. I mean, if they just don't even finish in that play in, I mean, Again, it'll be a really interesting off season. Well, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be in the lot. They would be in the lottery. So well, we, don't, we don't get that pick though. Oh, so, that's right. It goes to like, it's like top three or four protected. Okay, so it would take a Derrick Rose stroke of luck to get it. Exactly. Um. So th- yeah, so like this second half of the season could be the indica- indicator on whether they blow it up or not. Um, they ruled Lonzo out for the rest of the year. They aren't even gonna entertain it anymore um which is just i worry about that situation quite a bit and then you have toronto who made the push to get better in the trade deadline by getting acapulco and they stayed stagnant and you have the expiring contracts of gary trent and fred van fleet um again like if they don't finish in the the play-in if chicago overtakes them or something happens um in a perfect world, Toronto makes it and the Bulls make it and Washington drops, which is like a perfect world. Um, but even so, like it'll be interesting to see how they finish the second half of the year. Um, considering with like whether what they're gonna do this offseason with OG and Pascal and Fred and all those guys. Um, you know, who knows if they make a really good second push, then maybe they're like, we want to keep these guys together, you know. Um, I think who I knows? Think, I think Podal is now actually a, a free agent this offseason now. So they have a lot of guys that would have to get paid. But so I think that's interesting to see how they look out for them, kind of see how they will finish. Because I think based on how they will finish, both the Bulls and the Raptors will finish. They'll have um a big, they will be big teams to look out for in the offseason for sure. And then we have Atlanta who just let go of Nate, Nate McMillan. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with performance or if it was purely like they kind of figured he was retiring. 
and they kind of wanted to bite the bullet now or if like the him relationship with him and like Trey Young is that much strain or if he just didn't want to do this anymore we we obviously will never know the full story until maybe things will probably come out this is weird man you know this after is, the fact this is really weird i think that, that something is he always on. he always said he would finish out the year that was like what he said he was going to finish out the year something's weird in atlanta right now you know what's going on with their ownership you know landry fields is now the general manager they fire their head coach you know they have the third hardest strictest schedule for the rest of the season. They're in eighth right now. Ah, so maybe I, they could be a team that maybe they could be a team that drops. Who knows? They could be. I mean, their starting lineup, if like, uh, is one of the best starting lineups in terms of like efficiency wise. But their bench has just been morbidly bad. So yeah, I'm really I mean, Bay Sadiq Bay will help a little bit in terms of the bench, but. I don't know. Um, it's a, again, it's like a, it's one of those moves where it's like not a, a big needle pusher, but it's a, something. Um, and I mean, there's been a lot of cryptic Trey Young tweets. <laughs> the one where he tweeted at Ant about like, um, he's like, you know, Ant Man don't ever change, but like, you that perspective changes when people take it for granted. I don't know what that meant. This is in reference to when Anthony Edwards said. What like what's one thing you could change about the league? And he said, you know, he, he wants load management to go down. He wants players to play more games. And then Treyon retweeted essentially that tweet or quote tweeted it by saying exactly what Trig is saying. Very cryptic, maybe pointing to certain players on the team that might be load managing. Um, I don't think that team is load management heavy. It either no, be- they're not. I mean, I think it. I don't know if it's more about like run office or the coach or just people maybe not caring that might be more what it is uh but yeah i, I think those are probably the highlighted teams in the east um i do want to say i think my, i, I kind of want to see who, like i think miami will be interesting too i just kind of want to see if they start making so at the end of the day i don't think miami wants a matchup with one of those top three teams and I think, and like Miami's been a team where, like, you know, the first half of the season, Jimmy Butler definitely does his load management. Kyle Lowry does his. Or, you know, Lowry was playing pretty heavy minutes start of the year. I'll, I'll say that. Um, if you're you Miami, you, you, you'd get into that five seed if you're Miami. You'd get that five yeah. seed. Go, you you're can... only half game behind the Knicks. Um, only, I mean, Brooklyn, like, we'll see. I mean, they just made all those moves and they, they could drop potentially like that seven. I don't think they dropped at eight. I think they can stay within the actual playoff playoff like rankings. Um, I don't think they'll fall to a play in, but I mean, I think you're Miami. You got to be like, yo, we got to get to that fucking five seed because we are not trying to play Milwaukee or Boston, yeah, or 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 Philly, yeah, or, I think fi- or Philly. Right. Um, so I think that will be. I think Miami will be teams to watch out for on whether they start really pushing the envelope and making their making their playoff push starting now. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into the fourth quarter of tonight's podcast. Uh, this is our last segment. We're going to be talking about some of the Western Conference teams. Um, so I think if you just look at the schedule, if you look at the standings, you know, the top two in the West are pretty much, it's going to be that. It's You know, uh, Memphis is going to be two. Denver is going to be one. I don't really think that's going to change. 
where it gets interesting is three through eight and even below that. But especially I mean, three, three through 12 are separated by four and a half games. Yeah. So you're, you're exactly. You're not wrong. Um, if you look at, if you look at just, uh, if you look at some of the teams I have scheduled, like highlighted right now. So the, some of the hardest, the, for the fourth hardest strength of schedules in the West are the Wolves, the Suns, the Kings, and the Clippers. They have the four hardest remaining schedules for teams in the West. The Wolves are eight, Suns are five, the Kings are three, Clippers are four. I mean, starting with the Kings, I think this is the stretch where this last stretch here, we like, where we were like, where we are like, okay, are the Kings for real? Are they going to rise up to the occasion and finish strong in the conference? Or are they going to self-destruct? Are they going to be Kevin Huerter in three-point challenge self-destruct mode? Yeah, so, I mean, that's they'll be really interesting to watch to see if they can maintain, um, you know, maintain a high ranking in the standings. Um, so, I mean, it still is a really young team, not a lot of playoff experience. Um, so, we'll see if, if they could ride, if they rise up and, and they stay consistent because um, I feel like there's a lot of people that still aren't sure that it's how legitimate this team is. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure at all. History, history speaking, none of this team is have any you know end of season real type, late season success, playoff success. I I would bet on the Kings falling. I don't think they'll be the three seed come come April. I would. I want to agree with you. I definitely want to agree with you on that. Um, but I mean, like I said, they'll be, that's why I think they're interesting to watch. We'll see how, see how like, um, much of a contender, contender this team actually is. I'm in the boat where I'm like, I don't think they're a legitimate contender by any means. I think they've, they, they've managed to stay healthy. So that's been a huge, um, you know, a huge benefit to that. Um, and I think they're fun. I don't think they're there yet. And I look at the Clippers where like, you know, they made all these additions to the Clippers, like. Do they start making their push? I mean, Kawhi is looking robotic again. Mm-hmm. How much is he like? He's been playing insane. Like he's playing like he's back to all NBA level form. Um, like I mean, I would know. I have my fantasy team. This dude has been insane the last yeah, like three weeks. Um, I mean, are they are they gonna like Paul and Paul George gonna really try to play these games on the stretch so they can figure out their chemistry? I think that's really important. That, why and PG play as many games as they possibly can to really establish a chemistry and identity before this playoff run. Because I think if this Clippers team can really find their identity and they can get some chemistry going, they're going to be like, they could come out of the West. They're, they're deep and talented enough where they could totally come out of the West. No, you're not wrong. This Clippers team is dangerous. I mean, I had them as the top ranked team in the West coming into the season. And Kawhi's been playing like a like the monster or the uh, the Terminator that he is, and you know, but they do have a hard schedule, and they are adding a new guy that's going to be integral in their uh, in their offensive and defensive flow, and I think that is going to be a hurdle that we are going to watch them attempt to overcome, and just because their top two players are playing amazing, is that enough to overcome? All these new changes, I'm I'm not, I mean, you would think yes, but with a guy like Russell Westbrook, who hasn't had much team success, 
um, in a in a long time. You you do have to question the fit and if Kawhi and Paul George will be able to make it work with adding this guy to the team. Yeah, and then then we got a bunch of teams that like are kind of waiting on the on stars to come back. Um, whether it's it's Phoenix, I think Phoenix will hold their ground quite nicely. I feel like Kevin Durant's not going to come back till probably like the last like 15 to 12 games. I feel like he's still got another couple weeks to go before he's back. Um, as long as know, he's maybe... back, as long as he's back by the playoffs, I think is all that we need. They need him back ready to go for the playoffs. So I think they're going to let him take as much time as, as he needs. They, they probably want at least 10 to 12 games with him to kind of figure out the rhythm. Yeah. Um. Not that I don't think you can plug Kevin Durant in anywhere. I think you can. I don't think he really needs – you really can plug him anywhere and figure it out, but I think it's more just about, like, how him and Booker will kind of figure out, like, ball, share who gets the ball when and whatnot. But Booker's back and healthy, so this team should be ready to rock and roll right out the break. Um. Then we got the Pelicans, who have been just kind of – ever since they lost Zion, it's not been the same. And we have, I have not heard anything on when he's returning. I do want to say one, th- one thing about Phoenix. Um, Josh Okoge has been their starting five in place of Kevin Durant not being there and Bridges and Cam Johnson. Three? Sorry, starting three. He's been their starting three. Josh Okoge is starting for this team. And I don't know, I just think it's a wild little tidbit that Josh Okoge goes from riding the bench in Minnesota to being a starter on a team that is currently fifth in the West. It's fun to see. Um, I didn't mean to completely cut you off, but yeah, Pelicans. Very. I mean, they have enough, they have enough offense where it's important for them to have a Kogi out there for defensive versatility, for sure. He's been scoring like 20 points. He's been, he's been scoring. He's been shooting the three. I love that. Wild. Um, So the Pelicans would be like really interesting. I mean, they really need Zion back. Brandon Ingham's been playing really well. So they have that going for them, but. I mean, in a stacked what and what now is a stacked West again, with Durant in the West. I mean, they they really need him back. They really need him back because they are not a great team without him by any means. They're like a okay team, I think, without him. I do not think they're good by any means. Um, they just struggled without him immensely, and then you have the Wolves sitting at eight. Um, when is Carl gonna come back? Another guy where we haven't heard an update yet. What is and then the Warriors? We just got an update on Steph about thirty minutes ago. He's uh back to non-contact. Um, so it, it seems like Steph is almost closer than these other guys to coming back, and it feels like Steph just got injured. Yeah, I mean. Steph's injury is not as severe as Kevin Durant's. I mean, Kat's been out for very long, not as severe as his. And Zion with his body type as well, you know, it's going to take him a little bit to come back. I will say Pelicans, they are the seventh seed right now. They have uh, like the second easiest strength of schedule in the West. So I don't see how, as long as Jose Alvarado can keep playing like the MVP that he showed he was Friday night. And you can get Zion back, hopefully, in the next 10 games. This team should be able to stay in the play-in picture. I think the Pelicans drop. I think it's just, like, hard. So you don't think Zion comes back in time and they drop? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's that's not crazy at all. I think. Um. I would. I would. I would agree. I just don't not see the Warriors really turning it up the second half of this season. And I think I was listening to a low podcast out the All Star break. The Warriors have a pretty friendly schedule out of the break, or friendly enough to where they could survive without Steph for another week or two. Yeah, the Warriors are. Uh, uh, they're they're exactly in the middle in terms of hardest schedules for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, like I remember I was listening to that pod where the guys like thought that they could survive well enough to stay where they're at, and then just for staff to come back to really make to really make their push. Um, because I really think the Warriors want to end up. I mean, I think they're going to be dangerous no matter what, but I, I don't think they want to be in a playing situation. No, they're they're zero and one so far, and they're or actually no, they they did they beat the Lakers at one year, so they they've been in the playing game before, um, and it doesn't prove to be an adequate way of making it to the second round of the playoffs. I mean, the Wolves got close last season, but I don't think that'll happen again this year. Yeah, no one wants to be in the play-in. You want to get that sixth spot, but if you look at the West, it's like. If you look at the top six seeds in the West, you know, you have Denver, you have Memphis, you have Sacramento, you have the Clip- Los Angeles Clippers, the Phoenix Suns, and the Dallas Mavericks. Like, if we're playing who's, my guess, if we're playing who's my the guess imposter, the well, I I'm would gonna, guess the Pelicans drop. My well, yeah, guess. But if I'm just saying, but like only the top six make the playoffs. So if we're saying who's the imposter of those top six, obviously it's the Kings, but. I don't. I don't like the Kings would have to lose a, like a handful of games to not handful. make. They would have. They would have to really start losing games to not make. To to not make the playoffs, and you know, obviously, we all know the Warriors to be a, a title contender if everyone's healthy. But it's going to take a lot for the Warriors to come back in. But if there's any team that can do it, it's obviously a team led by Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. Yeah. Um. Yeah, in terms of the West, that's really it's really the two those kind of the four te- five four, six teams that I really. I mean, LeBron said these these are the next uh, the twenty three most important regular season games of his career. Ab- absolutely, I, I think mean, there's some more tension in LA than people realize. Considering Anthony Davis, the way he reacted to LeBron breaking the scoring record, which we never talked about, really cool. Um, LeBron broke the scoring record. Um, obviously, passing Kareem. Um, in Staples or not the, the fucking crypto arena. It's all, it'll always be Staples to me. Amen. In front of Kareem. Um, really cool. He got honored with Kareem at Bar and King Horny himself, Carl Malone, King Pedo, King Pedo, if you want to call him. Carl wasn't at that game. Carl, Mal- but I'm saying All Star Weekend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All Star Weekend. Um, yes, Carl Malone congratu- congratulated him, which I I also thought was just. Get him Still pretty team. wild that for those who don't know, he basically impregnated a 13 year old girl when he was 20 years old in college. So don't know. Didn't he said it's not doesn't care, not his problem anymore. Very interesting choice of words, but <laughs> um, but yeah, we we didn't touch on it. We didn't touch on it. I mean, I think that LeBron record won't be. I don't know who's gonna break it one day, considering it, it, he's four more years. It it will not ever be touched. The longevity and the the height. Basically, what would happen would have would have to happen if some guy would have to come into the league, and average twenty seven points per game for twenty seasons. 
22 seasons because LeBron's going to play for a couple more years. That's not ha- like that's not happening. Like that's not, yeah. like that's just not the injury luck that LeBron has had his entire career. Whether it's luck or whether the money that he puts into his body, it's not happening. LeBron will forever. If if this in our in our lifetimes, if we ever see someone hold that record instead of LeBron James, I will be shocked. I'll be shocked. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Biggest twenty three games uh, for the Lakers. You know, we could obviously have any podcast and... talking about Late Show just because it's fun to talk about L A. Yeah, we have Anthony Davis who just did not look impressed when LeBron broke the record. Looks very under unentertained. Deleted his Instagram. So that's kind of a little nugget for you too. I I love uh, the additions Malik Beasley, D'Lo, and Jared Vanderbilt. I think they're and you know Bamba as well. I think these guys will definitely be. The Lakers need younger guys that can run up the court, shoot threes to put around. LeBron and AD Westbrook's no longer there. I'm excited to see what this Lakers team can do. They they don't yeah, exactly have, do. They have a lot of work to do, but they have, let's see, the sixth easiest schedule in the league after. Yeah. So, like, if if there's a time, all they have to do is sneak into 10, you know, and I think that's what they – you can you can get into 10. What do you think happens if they don't sneak into 10? Does Anthony Davis ask out? If they, like judging... 10, if they don't sneak into ten, if they don't sneak into ten, and it's not because like someone key got injured, so let's say no one gets injured and they miss the play-in game, because he just looks—he looks like after leading his IG, the whole thing with like LeBron, like that was just really weird. How all of his teammates are like pumped, and Anthony Davis is sitting here like, "Fuck this, we're losing to OKC. Everyone wake the fuck up." Yeah, like. I uh like you think as like his teammate, a guy he won a championship championship with, he would like seem happy. But I'm almost just curious if it's turning into like a Scotty MJ dynamic where like Anthony Davis is just like it's all about him. Like I I've been the best player on the court when I've been there. Um like he doesn't win it without me. That kind of dynamic. I mean, it looks like him and Kyrie were buddy buddy all star weekend. They so who knows what happens in the summer? Um, but yeah, I think the way this Lakers season ends will be very well. Very I'll, interesting. I'll tell you that I think whether they make the playoffs or the play in or not, I think there's going to be big changes to this lineup in the off season. New point yeah. guard. I I would be shocked if Anthony Davis gets traded. But man, I wouldn't. LA, I would. I don't. I, I don't think. Back. I don't think you can trade away LeBron's best teammate. I mean, I think. Well, it's not even that. I think I wouldn't think he they would trade him. I think he would ask out. I well, mean, we've, I mean to be fair, we've. It's hard to play with LeBron. We've seen the track record of guys of stars who played with LeBron, and the longevity is not the best. No. And you know, it could turn into a tire situation where, like I said, we're. Anthony Davis is like, I don't like, I don't want to do this shit. I don't want to be part of the LeBron show anymore. Like I want to go somewhere and win a championship and win more, like win more championships and stay somewhere where I can stay for the rest of my career and, you know, flourish there. <clears throat> Miami heat. <clears throat> okay. Well, I, I have one fan question for you and to all of our uh, listeners. Um... Fan question. 
Yeah, I have a fan question. Just kind of like it's just a fan kind of a question. Um I, just, I want I want to, you know, everyone that's listening, you know, be free, be free to answer yourself. But Trig, you just said players don't have the best shot of playing with LeBron James for a long time. So I have a question. Who? Yeah. You have like a live question? Live question for you. From who? Give me it. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's from me. Who? What player in the history of the NBA? We can. Maybe we could do. We could do. We'll do top. We'll do top. Top. Uh, top five. We'll do top five. Name the top five players who have played the most games with LeBron James. Oh, it's just like a question or it's yeah, like a trivia it. question. Yeah, this is trivia. Name the players, the five players that have played the most basketball games with LeBron James. Um, Why do I oddly feel like one of them is like Norris Cole? Norris Cole is... Uh, Did he go to Cleveland? Nope, Norris Cole is on the list, but he's, I think, like 12. So you're 0 for, you're 0 for 1. Um... Mo Williams on there at five? No, we're God, we are no. Zadrunas. Zadrunas is number one. Okay. Zadrunas is number one. You so you're you're one for three right now. What else do you got? Um. Come on, think. J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith is number nine. So you're uh, you're one for four on trying to guess the top I mean, I five. Be, I could be thinking two outside the box. I'll just go with Dwayne Wade. Where is he at? Dwayne Wade is number four. So you have two of them. I just didn't want to go that basic. I wasn't sure if like those guys played with him enough. Is it just oh, is it based on minutes or actual games? Games played. Games played. So not like minutes in general. It's not minutes in general. It's just okay. games played. Um, Kevin Love. Kevin Love is number ten. Kyrie. Kyrie is. Kyrie's lower than Norris Cole. Wow. Wow. That's that's what I that's why I didn't guess him at first. I didn't think he played enough of LeBron to get up there. Um, Come give on. Me Drew, give me Drew Gooden. Nope. Drew Gooden is. Uh, Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes. No man. <laughs> Come on. How are you an NBA fan? Oh, um, Verjao. Yes. Okay. Finally, we have three of the guys. You need two other dudes that have logged the most um, games with LeBron. Mario Chalmers. Yes, that's number five. Now, can you get number three? Can you get number uh, three? This one's tough. Oh, it's a tough one. So it's not like Bosh. Bosh is number six. This one is difficult. He played with him on both the Cavaliers and the Heat, but he wasn't exactly like a uh, big minutes guy. But he's Dave one of Maddie. LeBron's. He's one of LeBron's favorite teammates ever. I'll Birdman? Nope, not Birdman. Not Birdman. Birdman. <laughs> Have you ever heard that Birdman is one of LeBron's favorite teammates? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'll give you one. No, last no, 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 no. I don't want a hit. I don't want a hit. I don't want another hit. I don't want another hit. Okay, well, I sorry. I, can, I think I can get it. Oh, oh, oh. Wait. No, no, that wouldn't be it. I'm just letting you know that, like, Kanjan and Larkin and Turner and Mitch Pankin now, thank you, Mitch, for listening, are all sitting down being like, bro, it's him! It's him! Uh, 
Miami, Miami and Cleveland. I know. James Jones. Yeah! Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes. God, okay. Well, that was, you did, You had a really bad beginning, but uh, Norris Cole, Jesus. I thought I thought he I thought he was like a eleventh guy in that Cleveland team. Like I thought I thought he went for some reason. I had had him in my hand. And he went to go play with LeBron in like Cleveland for a second. No, you. So I thought it was Norris Cole. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't. I didn't think it was like Kyrie. I was I I wasn't sure if Wade and Bosch were up there high enough. So I kind of wanted to start by going outside the box a little bit more. I knew it was no one that he played with the Lakers. I knew it was none of those guys. So like I had to like. I kind of was, I was trying to be like a little bit more outside the box and thinking. All right. I have one more random question just because I'm on this website and it's really funny. Who did LeBron play more games with Dwight Howard or Wally Zerviak? Ding, 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 ding. I want to, I want to say Wally. Ding, 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 ding. Wally, good job. We're on a roll. We should the do Cleveland, these. From the, from the Cleveland stint? Yep, you got it. We should do this more. I kind of I kind of like these random questions and asking you them. Um, well, hey, that is uh, that is our full podcast tonight. Definitely a long one. Thank you for all of you that are listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Uh, Did you not think I'd get that James Jones one? No. Bro, you started with you, Norris Cole and Mo Williams were like two of the first five names. No, it's trying to go outside the box. All right, well, everyone, thank you for listening. And remember, there's no more ride on the bench. It's Jack and Trig, and we're off the pod.